I'm ready. You ready? Oh, I am. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the Fearless Training Raw Knowledge Podcast with, as ever, your host, myself, Alex Connor. And today, of course, we're talking more, well, everything, lifestyle. Training, nutrition, lifestyle. It's going to be a little bit more lifestyle-based today. And I've got with me the empowered, the fearless, Amanda. I'm going to get this wrong. (laughs) (laughs) Say it again. Amanda McKilliff. No. Well done. No, is that right? Just had it. McKilliff. McKilliff. McAuliff. Yeah, off camera he was going, McAuliff. Amanda <laughs> <laughs> McAuliff. Good job. We're going to get that one yeah, bang yeah, on. No, because you know why? Because I've seen it for so long and I've said it in my head a different way. But Because I just do. People I'm, say, I'm le- say McAuliff or McAuliff. Well, also my mum's yeah. last name um, was McCarthy. So okay. I kind of had some... Anyway, yeah. that's my excuse for... For getting it wrong. There you go. Hate me later. <laughs> so anyway, let's get into it. As awesome. ever, as we do with all my podcast guests. Sure. Uh, thank you for hosting as well, by the way. Um, there's a beautiful <laughs> cat in the room uh, yes. somewhere. I'm sure he will make an appearance. He's a very <laughs> handsome, handsome boy. Um, for the people who may not know, I know there's going to be some people who do. They will see the thumbnail. They will yeah. recognize the name. Tell us who you are, what you do, and more importantly, why you do it. Cool. So my name is Amanda Mickliffe. I originally hail from Melbourne. I'm 35. I appeared on national uh, reality TV last year on Married at First Sight. That was a that was an experience, shall we say? Prior to that, I've been running my own business now since 2015, professionally. Two years prior to that, off the record, as you do, cash money as a PT, getting into the biz, cash down on the side. So I was doing that. You carry on. I'm just changing my mic because it's going to keep slipping down. That's all right. It's just this chest is, problems. Sorry. You know, it's one of those things with asking someone, what, like, who are you? Because there's so many dynamics. Mm. You know, there's so many versions of a person. It's like, what version do you want? Do you want the, what are you most passionate about? And if so, what drives that? If someone asks you on the street now, that's the version I want. Yep. So, of late... And that they were a stranger. And it was like, hey, you know, you got chatting to them. And they were like, nice cat, cool, awesome. Thanks. And then they were like, what do you do? What do you do? do?" Personal trainer, mindset coach, avid entrepreneur, avid because I love it. You know, I love the journey. I like the hustle. I like the whole self-made aspect. And I guess because growing up, I was exposed to... I guess, you know, being a middle child, gay, from a European family, there were certain disadvantages, shall we say. And so lately, I guess what's been really intriguing for me has been relationships. So I recently had a podcast, I've had a podcast for about three years called the Fitness Mindset Podcast and thought to myself, it's going nowhere. I'm not passionate about those sort of topics anymore. And that might sound contradictory because being a PT, love what I do, love coaching. But what I love more is understanding relationships. And obviously being on Married at First Sight and going through that whole experience, for anyone out there who saw my season, 
And, you know, the, I guess my, my experience on it and what I went through and stuff like that was, yeah, it was not the greatest experience, but it was also a catalyst for major change. So it had to happen. You know, and I was, I'm a firm believer that, you know, that was the beginning of the end for me. The beginning of the end as I know it. And so what it did for me is it exposed to me, in front of me, who was really there and who wasn't. And it kind of helped me go, you now have an opportunity to completely transform and reset your life. You now have permission to fulfill your dream because of the hardship you've now faced. So what people don't know is what happened after the show, what happened years prior to that. So people on the show might have seen that I had some family members that were there and that I had a supportive mother, supportive enough on camera. And what they didn't realise is I had my whole family not want me to go on the show. So I was pretty much disowned because of it. So even though my family on the outside were quite, we were the sort of family that when we walked into a room, we were like the good looking family, you know, the together family. But behind closed doors, you know, we tiptoed around my father for many years. My father was a good man, don't get me wrong. If you needed a hand, he was there, but he was emotionally abusive to us. Um, I saw the way he, oh, the way he treated us, the way he emotionally broke my mother down until she was pretty much like an empty vessel, you know, and you sort of, it's almost like a dead man walking. And I'm sure there's a lot of people out there that are either continuing to be in these kind of relationships where they feel like they're not worth more. They don't know any better, so they stay there in fear of change, in fear of more so comes to self-worth. They don't feel like they're worth much more than what they're in, so they stay. They stay in these shit situations. Um, and I just, look, I grew up with depression and anxiety because of that environment I was in. And I got to a point in my life where I was like, from a really young age, it's like, I need more than this. My idea of my life is you can have it all. You don't have to settle for the abusive partner, for the limited financial mindset. All these negative traits that I was exposed to growing up that kept me boxed in. I was made to feel less than because I was gay. I wasn't, I could never truly fulfill my parents' wishes purely because of who I chose to sleep with that night. So, although they said they accepted my sexuality, it wasn't until I got chosen for the show that I realised how little they actually accepted it. And that was hard. That was really hard because while the show was airing, I didn't talk to my family at all. I didn't have their support. They didn't message me once. Um, an incident happened with my father just before the show went to air and after filming. And 
that's the reason why I no longer talk to my family. And then my bridesmaids on the show, there was incidents which happened last year. I no longer talk to them over other reasons, which I probably may or may not go into that tonight. But, like, it's been a journey. What can I tell you? It's been a journey. And so what I'd really love to touch on tonight is narcissism. We're going to talk about that in detail mm -hmm. as much as I can. I'm not a trained psychologist, but I can, I can talk purely from experience in that regard. But relationship with self, relationship with your inner child and through your experience with your parents and how that shapes your future relationships with people, with lovers, colleagues. It can all be the same. You can treat it all the same. We don't need to treat people differently just because that's at work, that's at home. When we understand ourselves, we understand everyone else around us and we understand boundaries and then we learn how to teach people how to treat us. I like it. Good. <laughs> I need a drink. <laughs> That's it. Wet the whistle. It's almost a case then, just to go back to what you were saying with your family, uh, of keeping up appearances where they were behind closed doors accepting of your sexuality and mm. who you were, supposedly. But when it was out in public, then the vulnerability was there that they weren't because of obviously the way they've acted and the way things have played out. And it, it's, um, it's funny how people wear masks and we could probably talk a little bit about that as well in, in relation to narcissism and many other things. And, mm -hmm. and we always do because as social media will very much display, people like to present themselves in the best light. They like to present their best selves and we do and that's normal and it's natural and it's understandable. But at the same time, I think one of the ironies of that is that mm. to create really long-term strong connections with people uh, of which there are not so many in my experience. You can know a lot of people, but I do believe in your life you, you only have a limited amount of very, very strong connections, whether that's lovers and um, relationships, other things like that, friendships. But you need that vulnerability. And that's kind of the opposite edge of it mm. because people put forward something that they want people to like. I know I can speak from experience. I was always trying to be liked. I was always an outcast because of the traveling. I never felt like I fit in. Mm. So I was trying to be something I wasn't. And the irony, once again, is that now being myself, it's much more authentic to be my weird, quirky, not quite fit the mold. But now I create much better connections and attract into my life people. Your vibe who, attracts your tribe at the end of the day. Yeah, who, yeah. who I resonate with. Um, yeah. That I actually have an interest in and, and passion. Yeah. So that, that is, yeah, I think there's going to be a lot of um, slaying misconceptions, shall we say, in mm. many respects. Where would you like to start with some of that? Maybe do you want to start with some real life examples of, first of all, there's going to be people who want to know um, sure. that haven't been on television before. Yeah. Maybe explain and just give some context what you see versus what it is in reality because okay. people who have been will know mm. it's very fucking different and they set you Massively. up to fail. They <coughs> sure do. it's all about views. So 
Okay, so I remember getting the phone calls in the lead up to finding out whether I was going to be on the show or not. And I remember just in my old house in Melbourne, I was in a two-bedroom apartment there, and getting the calls from the head producer going, we, we've pretty much found you a match. We're so excited. And so they puff you up with excitement. Now, you've got to remember, this is Australia's highest rating, highest controversial show. So Controversial is a um, key word there. Controversial. It's, it, was, it, it was a pivotal moment for me. I wasn't happy with where I was at in my life. So for me, I was looking at a, a breakthrough, if you will. Yes, I went there to find love, but I saw an opportunity. And I think everyone who goes on these shows sees an opportunity. Let's not be coy about it. Exposure. Let's be honest. It's exposure. So I thought, look, if it's a complete disaster, at the very least, if I carry myself well, it'll open up doors. Surely enough... As it got closer and closer to the decision, when I found out I got on the show, suddenly it became less about the opportunity and more about my my desire to find love. I'd pretty much chosen the show over getting back with my ex-partner. So I kind of had to weigh the odds up and go, well, I'll get back with my ex. I know what that will probably eventually look like. You break up with people for a reason. So if you go back, you're probably going to go back to the same thing eventually. You go through the honeymoon period and then the cracks will start to form. So then I saw obviously this opportunity. So me saying yes meant I pissed a lot of people off in the process of that. So it was a very rocky beginning. <laughs> but I had the producers in my ear going, oh my God, it's going to be amazing. Oh my God, you guys are going to look hot together. So I got this vision of how things were going to be. They're fuckers. I'm just going to come out and say that because yeah. I've also been in the same boat. We'll talk and, about that. And it's a shame though, What what? Um, especially when people have never been, and usually reality the TV is that because yeah. say with actors, they, they've done it, they know, and it's mm. different. But when they're getting general public, they just take everything for gospel. So they G you You're up. So vulnerable. You've got one person saying, no g this person up. Another producer geeing this person up, and then they send them out and go, hmm. It's like me saying, right, that that's blue, and the other person goes, that's red. They come out and go, oh, blue, what? Red, blue, what? Boo, boo, boo. And then that's watch the, the sparks start. fly. Yeah. It's like. It's so, organized. have you ever seen that show, <laughs> Unreal? No. Okay. So, it's a show on Stan called Unreal. And for anyone that wants to see what the producer's in looks like from a reality show, Go and watch that show. If anyone who's watching this that has been on reality TV, that would be interesting for you to watch because you would know when you're doing your voxies, which are your one-on-one -on -one interviews, you see what you can see the seed planting and manipulation that happens when producers are getting spoon-fed information in their earpieces and then they're asking you questions. And they'll ask you the same question five different ways until they get the version from you that they want. And Legally, they can't make you say anything you don't want to say, but they'll try and see how much juice they can squeeze out of you. So I remember one day them saying to me, well, Amanda, da 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 and I go, I'm pretty sure I just answered that question for you. And they go, okay, cool. So they had no legs to stand on. So if you're smart and you clue on to manipulation in general, you have a right to Push just back yeah, a little bit. set that boundary. Mm. So they G'd you up. I get to the aisle, I'm waiting 45 minutes to turn around. I see the bridesmaids, 
my heart sinks because I think, okay, they're both dressed in these red shiny dresses. They look like a pack of ex escorts. They have horrible <laughs> attitudes after the fact. So once we got into the wedding, they were terrible. Tweedledee and Tweedledum. Let's just say that. That's what they got coined as on Twitter. Um, covered in tats, just not my thing. And I thought, right, what's the bride going to look like? So I turn around and I, my instinct, my initial instinct, and whilst I look relieved to see her because I'd been fucking waiting there for so long, my heart sank and I thought she's going to, one of two things is going to happen. She's going to cheat on me or she's going to be trouble. Surely enough, she was trouble. She was manipulative. She turned pretty much all the cast against me. She gaslit the fuck out of me. I was isolated for three weeks in my hotel room. She didn't want to bar with me off camera. Now, the thing is, is that her version is, but I just wasn't attracted to her. That's fine. I wasn't that attracted to her either. The thing is, is that I would never treat a human being like that, that has put themselves in a vulnerable position, left their family behind, left their friends behind, put their job and career on hold to be part of an experiment that was chosen for you, right? So already it was a show of character and maturity as to see what this person was not willing to do or bring to the table. So it was disappointing in that sense. Interesting nonetheless, from a producer's perspective, look, they're relatively good people. We got treated well. If you don't get treated well on set, well, you must be a bit of a dick. Some people go to these shows, general public, acting like they're Hollywood superstars and start making demands like divas, the food's this, my room's this. Hang on a minute, you've been put up in a five-star hotel you're not having to work. You're getting paid to be here and you're acting like a diva. Fucking go away, would you? Who do you think you are? And so when I saw that and I thought, these people have got no idea. Like, no idea. This is a golden ticket for all of us just to be here for five minutes right now. When all this shit is said and done, we're going to have access to things that only people could ever dream of. And whether that's for six months or 12 months or five minutes, there was not enough gratitude from anyone in that whole experience. And it's a cesspool of negativity and they throw the worst kinds of people in these experiments because it makes good TV. Gets views. They don't, I, I remember yeah. actually, I'll interject with um, a personal experience as well on Big Brother. Yeah. And um, <laughs> I remember <clears throat> going through the stages, excuse me, and I, you know, I, I was, you know, people getting voted off and I was like, oh, that's weird. I thought they would have got through, I thought they would have got through. And yeah. someone that was there with had done this before. Yeah. And he said to me, he was also Batman at Dreamworld at the time, which was funny. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was great. I said, that must be great when your girlfriend says, are you going out with them? Um, anyway, so he said, yeah, they don't want people who are agreeable. They want people with strong opinions because they need clashes. And yeah. I was like, oh, okay, cool. And yeah. I started to notice this trend. Anyway, it goes through, it goes through. Anyway, got to the last round, got voted off. People thought it was going to make everyone fit on TV. So anyway, that was the reason. Anyway, they got sort of group voted off. Yeah. Anyway, I walked out and thought, man, what a great day. Fucking hell, that was cool. And, you know, so close to being on Big Brother. That would have been an interesting experience. Yeah. Came in. Um, 
and then was like, yeah, met some cool friends. We, we sort of hung out. Anyway, there was people going out like really distraught, angry. There was a bit of a uh, a whole melting pot of emotions from people mm. that had been that were still there from the latter stages. And I remember some people were really um, uh, like hurt. They were sort of emotionally unstable. I thought. Is this through the audition process? The, the, this is through the audition, but then coming out and seeing the sort of, I guess you could sort of say carnage uh, from the people who didn't get in, who were still right. kind of hanging around or walking out or making their way out because there's been loads yeah, of people right. there and they sort of sift them all down. If people have done the auditions, I'll know. I don't know if they still do it this way with COVID, but anyway. Um, and this, this person, he comes up to me and he goes, can I ask you something? And I said, yeah, sure. And he goes, why? Why wasn't I good enough? What's wrong with me? And I said, what? And he goes, what do you think's wrong with me? Why didn't I get on the show? And I said, are you shitting me? And he goes, no, I'm serious. And I said, I'm gonna just, you need to hear something. I said, if you think there's something wrong with you because you didn't get on a reality TV series, I said, you're gonna be a very, very sad human being because you're gonna get a lot of rejections in life. You're gonna mm. get a lot of people judging you. I said, that, that could have been luck. I said, there was, I said, do you know these people? No. Mm. I said, do you, do, have you created a report with them? I said, look, I said, it's a TV show, man. I said, we could have done it on a different day. We could have had a different lunch with different judges and we could have got it. Mm. I said, do not let that phase you. Yeah. But that person was in a, you know. So he was a, asking you like you were. It was just asked because like I was one of the people in there. Yeah. Like, and he but saw he's that. But asking he asked, you he asked like him, you were part of production. Like, why? Well, I, did, I... <laughs> I didn't take it like that, but thank you. Uh, but um, I think it was That's just because he was like. one of the people that was there with us. Yeah. Um, and we, and it was like a group of us walking out, and I mm. was one of the people who was in there for the final one. And yeah. he just said this to me, and I think cause he latched on because he was one of the people there. And and he was asking other people as well, but he sort of beelined to me, and I was just like, oh, that's interesting. Um. And I said, uh, yeah, and I sort of went through that and I just said, look, man, I said, at the end of the day, I said, you cannot put your happiness in other people. Um, because I said, yeah. you know, in life, you're going to really face up to this a lot. And it's and that sort of made me realize how many sad people, um, no offense, go into that show with like this hope and dream. And I'm like, that's kind of like putting your money on the lottery. It's and a gamble. And being really upset every time you it lose. It really is a gamble. It's so better to, to, you know, when you do stuff like that, it's a bit of fun. Um, yeah. to a degree, but unless you want to be an actor. And then it's like, okay, now you've got to put the years in, the training, and then you're still going to go through rejection, and that's Definitely. what you want to do. But to be sort of voted off from a TV show before you got on is not, I mean, you shouldn't be taking that to heart. I mean, you might be a bit disheartened, sure, yeah. but like, you shouldn't be like, oh, for fuck, hang on, I'm all hung up and crying and sad. Sad, I get it, but it shows me the emotional intelligence and maturity of that person, which is fine, mm. but I just wanted to give him some helpful advice to go, look, perspective, think about it. And this is the same with bodybuilding. And I say to people all the time, you know, because people get really upset and I get it competitive. Mm. Um, I said, look, there's four or five, whatever judges federation it is, judging you naked, like someone else. I said, at the end of the day, you can still look the best and they can still vote against you unless it's a clear cut win. And even then yeah. they could. So don't ever take it personally because it's subjective. It's someone else's opinion of you. They might just not, yeah. they might not like the looky, you might like their ex-partner, you don't know. They might have been a bit angry, pissed off at an argument, I don't know. Well, I used to be judge for uh, ICN back in Melbourne, mm. uh, going back 2016, 17, around that, those seasons. Mm, mm. And look, you've got like five, five people on the panel, there you go. you've you got your head judge, idea. head judge who makes a final call, and then you've got, you know, three other three other, four other judges that all have a different opinion on how everyone looks. 
So it's majority vote. At the end of the day, they do have their criteria for each, each division, but everyone has a different opinion on what looked good. What I thought looked good, someone else thought was too soft, you know, or vice versa. So it really can, there is definitely an element of subjectivity in bodybuilding judging. And that's where you just want to hope that, yeah, it's in your favor on the day, but go in there and expect nothing other than knowing that you put in everything you possibly could have, whatever the result is, it is. But going back to reality TV, so mm, the whole experience. Yeah, a bit of a tangent there, as we do. That's all right. The bit of the, the experience. So it's long filming days. So once you get there, so obviously when I saw uh, my partner on the, the altar, I knew I was being set up to fail, is what I was trying to say. So we were chalk and cheese. We were from two very different worlds and the producers were licking their buffs waiting for this explosion to happen, right? So they thought, ratings, they're both good looking, but we know they're gonna butt heads and this is exactly what they what what we want, you know? And that's you are a pawn in their game on reality TV and you wanna hope mentally that you get out of there okay because the trauma that can come out of when you get out of that whole bubble your head's mashed up because you've been manipulated the whole time you've been there Mm. from the producer pretending to be your friend the entire time you're filming because the producer needs you on their side so they can bait you to get what they need out of you once the show's done your producer is not allowed to have any contact with you. So that relationship gets severed very quickly, right? And don't get me wrong, we had a couple of exchanges after the show, but you realise pretty quick that you're worth nothing to them once you're done and on comes the next contestants. No sooner does your season show, they've already got next year's contestants. You're already forgotten by them. And it's like, shit, I've got to go back to reality, you know? And yeah. You want to have an after plan for reality TV. So go in there, have no expectation, be honest, as honest as you can be or be yourself, whatever that variation or version means for you listening out there. But always have a plan B coming out of there and don't expect to get famous from it. You will get an element of notoriety. Yes, people will notice you down the street and that's all great. But don't hang off the negative comments or the compliments like you need to remain neutral to everything that comes after the fact. So having that self-love and self-awareness, like I get compliments all day, every day on my Instagram and I'm very humbled by it, but it's only up to me at the end of the day to tell me how much I love me or how much of a good job I did. Um, Do I have insecurities? Yeah, I do at times, not a lot. Um, do I doubt myself in new situations? I can, sometimes it's nice to have reminders, but when it comes to compliments or, or I guess criticism, it's good to be very neutral to both, both ends, you know, but that's a skill that kind of comes in time because if you're kind of hanging off compliments, 
then it's, you know, it's all vanity metrics, you know, people that are obsessed with social media. And you can tell the ones that are obsessed with vanity metrics. We've just gone completely off topic. I will come back to where we were. But it's all right. It's long form content. Yep. It's what we do. So we're going into that for a moment. So vanity metrics, you know, you've got your Insta famous girls that are, every post is a selfie, a very well manicured selfie, ass shots, boob shots, lip shots, everything about me shots. And I just think content like that, they must be sitting on their phone waiting for the likes, the comments. That's not healthy. That's not healthy self-love because how sad to think that you rest your confidence based on the amount of likes and comments and oh my God, you're hot and oh my God, I wanna be you. I wouldn't wanna be that girl. Like having, having the odd ass shot, boob shot, selfie, great. Great, but to have the whole fucking gamut of all selfies, I don't know. I'm a person of a, a lot more substance, a lot more I want to help people. Um, I'm a different kettle of fish. But when I see that, I just see insecurity from top to bottom. So, and unfortunately, you know, sex sells in society so a lot of people love to see that stuff so that's why the insecure girls and boys keep posting that stuff because they know that that's what gets a lots of lots of likes going back to what we were saying about reality tv and opportunity don't go to reality tv to find love just saying okay coming out of that i mean i had a business to fall back onto so that was good mm-hmm but I really started to take a different perspective on work-life balance. I was a workaholic before going on to the show. So I was building my PT business. I was working stupid hours. I probably had two failed relationships because of I was so work-focused. But with that said, I didn't have the right partners at the time either. They served their purpose to a point, but... I was an elevated individual who needed another elevated individual to keep up with where I was at. And for people that are so driven and ambitious, that's hard to find. If you can find that, that's like a, that's like a gem in an ocean, you know. And I guess, you know, it takes going through something as traumatic as what I went through last year so I haven't even skinned the surface with what I went through last year. So I ended up homeless last year. Um, I had falling outs with two of my closest friends. I was exposed to an abusive landlord at the time. So I had a lot of shit happen through COVID. My business went south, you name it. So I left Melbourne and I came to the GC to start a whole new life. And it's been amazing. And I've been able to rebuild the business Um with I've taken my time to take it to the next level. I've built a quality website. I've, you know, looking at the Empowered Women's podcast. So I've rebranded my podcast completely to talk about relationships, which has been the pinnacle of my life. I never had the support and the relationship with my parents that I wanted to growing up. And so that messed with a lot of my friendships and relationships as through the ages, right? Through my teens, through my 20s in my 30s and you know it's been a recurring theme for me and I'm like what's the one thing I can talk about day and night 
endlessly and it's relationships. If I look at what's the content I can listen to day and night, it's relationships. Yes, I love health and fitness and yes, it's great. Don't get me wrong. But what I find, especially through COVID, a lot of people have gone through separations. They've realized how much they don't like their partners. Can't even imagine the amount of separations that occurred through COVID. Mm. The lawyers are having an absolute field day. field day at the moment. But, you know, when we look at relationships and we sort of go a bit deeper, you know, for me, it's been I've dealt with quite a, quite a few narcissists over my time. So I'm a person of empathy. I have a lot of empathy for people, sometimes too much. And what, that hap- what happens with that is you are left a little vulnerable to people who see the good in you and they slowly but surely take advantage of that. They know how to take advantage of that. So if you understand a narcissist, when you understand it, it's like this huge light bulb moment because we've all been exposed to one at some point in our life. My father was one. I saw what he did to my mother and how he's basically um, trained her to put up with him because at one point she couldn't stand him. But now she tolerates him to the point where she enables his behaviour. For me, I was like, it was like my head wanted to explode when I saw how my mum had almost fallen prey in that situation and I saw it and I called it out every time and unfortunately my father abused me because of it. So when you're bashed by your own father at the age of 34, 35, it gives you permission to really, well, A, to walk away from the family for good, right? Absolutely. So that was like, that was a relief for me. As hard as that was, that was a relief for me because it was like... It all came to a head. Well, yeah, it was like I can finally walk away and not feel guilty. So I accepted it really quickly. And people are like, anyone in your position would have fallen to pieces right now. And I said, oh, anyone else in my position would have either gone on drugs, lost the plot, lost themselves completely. For me, it was the... It was something that was eating at me for many years. I felt at odds with my family for many years. And like I said, it just gave me permission to reset and move on. So I found strength from that, from that breakdown. And then it was just after that, it was a series of other events. I had, you know, went into a friend's property. I saw... Was that, sorry, was that with your father? Was that after the show or before? This is after the show. Okay. So this is last just year. Just context then, yeah, cool. Yeah, no. so this is after the show. I mentioned it to me off camera, but still I'm just sort of yep. chronologically building a picture. Sure, yeah. So, you know, went into a situation where I was renting uh, in a house share situation with in a friend's property, my, my best friend at the time, and issues had happened with her partner, my housemate. Her partner blamed it on me, hated me for the time I was living there. She was fighting with him the entire time because she didn't like his behaviour towards me, couldn't understand it, could see how unreasonable he was. I saw traits of my father in him and then he really showed who he really was. The narcissist came out. So for, for years prior, he was like a brother to me. It wasn't until I went and rented off them that I saw who he really was and I saw the man that she complained about every day. 
I didn't see it prior because he never showed it. And that's what narcissists do really well. They wear the public mask, the private mask, and the secret mask that no one ever sees, not even their own partners, right? So when he showed his abusive side to me, I was like, oh, so this is a side that she complains about every day. I get it now. And I just thought she was a pain in the ass. Oh, she's my best friend, but I thought, she's complaining about this guy every day. I go, all right, we'll leave him then, leave him. Oh, no, 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 he's all right. He's a good provider. He's, you know, he's going, no, no, no. You're just making excuses for him. I said, how hard's it going to be? I go, what, you work two, three jobs, go live with your mum for a bit. Oh, no, I couldn't do that. No, 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 I couldn't stand living with my mum. I go, but you get cooking from her every day. What difference does it make? You see her every day, but you don't want to live with her. And this is the shit excuses that people make for themselves. Mm. They're not willing, see... Discomfort. Oh, long-term gain is short-term pain. Long-term pain is short-term gain. Because the long-term pain means that you can always find, sorry, the long-term pain means that somewhere along the line, you'll, you know, you'll find bits of pleasure, but it gradually kills you. But God forbid if you should do something good for yourself because you've got to have a little bit of pain in the beginning, what, two, three, six months, 12 months, so what? But people would rather sit for years and years and years in a shit situation because they don't want 12 months of hard yakka, change, putting self-love into yourself to set yourself up forever. And I see it all the time. And I saw it so much last year alone that it gave me a voice to go, oh, relationships. People need to know more about this stuff because it always comes back to self-worth and how we've been trained by our parents. And all that can always be untrained and retrained. And here's another thing about parents. For those of you out there that are too scared to rattle the boat, tell them you're gay, whatever the case may be. We choose our parents spiritually for a reason because we get put in these situations to learn something, whether we teach them something or they teach us something. For me, I've always said parents, friends, colleagues, you're all the same at the end of the day. Friends, family makes no difference. We all shit the same colour. We all got the same blood at the end of the day. How you treat me is how I treat you. And that's always been my attitude. And my mum was always like, oh, your family will always be there for you. I go, really? Mm. Where were you during the show? Where were you when my father bashed me? In fact, you were there. You witnessed it. And you still blamed me for it. So people can talk all they want, but it's in what they do energetically that's where you sit back and that's where you see things for how they are. And I just did an IGTV recently where people will always show you who they are and when they do believe them. If they tell you, oh, I'm nasty, oh, I can be nasty, fucking believe them because at some point you're going to see that trait. If people are always running late, 
or they're running late for work or running late. How many times are you going to let them run late before you realize that your time is a fucking commodity not to be wasted by anybody? Once, twice, that's enough. After that, you got to lay down the law with people. Set your boundaries with people. I don't care what situation it's in. If someone's rude to a waitress, why? What did she or he do to you that you've got to be rude? Well, that says more about you than anyone else. There's so many situations, but people are telling us all the time who they are and we're not listening. And then when we get put in that situation because they expose that part of who they are to us, we get screwed over and we go, we get upset at ourselves when it's like, but they told me at the start, they said this, they said they were this, they said they were nasty and I didn't listen because they were nice to me at first. People are good at wearing masks at first. Wait till the mask comes off. When you meet someone for the first time, sorry, I'm talking to the camera a lot because I really want to address That's your audience. Fine. Right? Because for the people listening, they don't know. Yeah. But for the people watching on YouTube, it's fantastic. Yeah. yeah. So when you meet people. How you do people, one thing is how you do everything. Carry on. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just going to add that in. No, you carry on. I'm just. So when you meet people, when we share. meet people, Alex, for the first time, first few months. Masks. No, carry on. I'm just. I was doing the People mask can wear masks. We all know that. But be careful of those that are constantly loving on you, loving you. You are. Oh, those people. You are amazing. You are incredible. You are this. I'm you very are cautious of those people who are like they're, overly friendly. They're <clears throat> the ones you have to be careful of the most. Ooh, I've met them. But the thing yes. is, like, when someone is overly, um, unauthentically nice to you, uh, there should, for the most part, be But something. it comes across authentic, though, Alex. That's the thing. Oh, see, it doesn't for me, though. But maybe that's different. I, I, I can't... I think for people who believe that must be in a different place in their life because they need that. It might be, like, a good parallel to compare it to is the Instagram likes. Mm. They think that they get likes that equals love where it's just some guy fucking trying to no. see a bit of flesh. Yeah, on an Instagram it. post, you know what I mean? So, that's right. like, the parallel could be with someone like that, they go, well, deep down, they know it's not authentic. Yeah. But they go, well, I'll take it. I'll take it. Keep, keep you know, tell me more. You know what Definitely. I mean? Definitely. Like, they're oh. not going to go, no, stop, you know? But I don't know, I've always been very, it's almost like you have it's to the be quiet cautious. people you've got to watch out for. Yeah. You know, because the ones who talk a lot, yeah, sure, but at least you, they say something. Yeah. You know, yeah. it's like CPR, the quiet one. Fuck, that's the one who's fucked up. Um, they're not making a noise. Yeah. So, you know, I mean, I'm just drawing parallels, metaphors and examples. Sure. That's all. But yeah, I, yeah I, I'm, as I said, we had a conversation outside before, before we jumped into the podcast. Mm. Jumped into it. <laughs> and, <laughs> right? Like, really jump, hop, skip, jump, whatever you want to call it. Handstand in, darling. Very good. Did a cartwheel. Pir pirouette. Um, but, <laughs> um, we talked about uh, when we learn these things, when we're listening, so maybe when people are listening now, they're probably going to start to think about their own memories, their own relationships, their own experiences. They're going to start to dot the I's and cross the T's, mm. as I like to say. And I was saying about how when you learn something, you sometimes match it. And it's not always right, 
But when you were speaking then, I was thinking of particular people. And I've gone, yeah, yeah, and they are bad motherfuckers. I'm not going to name names. Yeah. But they, I've no, and I've always been, like, I always stay on the right side of them. I didn't mm. hang around with them. Mm. I just was like, cool. I said hello, but they were always like, they would smother me with compliments. And I'm just like, who the fuck are you? Like, you know, I'm like, it's very nice of you. And it's hard to pull someone up who does that to mm. a degree. Mm-hmm. What are you going to say? Like, you, you're being nice to me. But I've always just, cool. Thank you. Take appreciate the, it. Take the compliment. I appreciate it. But then I'm also sort of going, Cautious. I wouldn't trust you about as far as I could throw you. Yeah. Because, because they just, don't know you. There's they... just something very unnerving, un- unsettling yep. in my gut when someone is just really friendly. I'm thinking you want something from me here or you're trying something on because no one comes over in this day and age yep. and starts, you know, lubing you up, for lack of better words, <laughs> right? And you just sort of like, hang on, right? <laughs> no, but it is though. Lubing you up. Lubing you up, just like, oh, oh you've got this, shoot. you've got that, you're beautiful, yeah. you're like, hang on. So the natural yeah. tendency, if we're going to tune to this, is well, what do you want from me? Because that's the way we've been conditioned, right? What do you want from me? What do I get from you? What do I give to you? And it, it's wrong because it shouldn't mm. have to be like that. What about if we just like each share, other mm. and maybe there is mutual, but maybe there isn't. Maybe it's just you do something nice for someone, fucking yeah. pay it forward. But then again, it might be from an authentic place rather than I'm going to go out of my way and smother this person with 10 comments. It's not authentic either. I have found as well, I'm just going off on a tangent, that when I've received a compliment mm. from someone who doesn't give them out, fuck, it means a lot more. I remember a yeah. specific person that I idolise in the industry. He's been on this podcast. For the purpose of this, I won't name his name. And he said something to me one day about a lift. And I was like, what? I didn't quite hear him because I had my earphones in. And, yeah. I think, and he, he said, you know, that's a very, very nice deadlift, very good mm. deadlift. And I was just like, Nearly fuck. fell over. Yeah. And my mm. friend looked at me and went, he, you know he doesn't fucking say that to anyone. And mm. I'm like, I know. And I was just like, wow. And I was like really humbled by it. And it meant something. And I thought, well, if someone that always gives you compliments, you're like, well, it's just another one, right? Mm. But, and it's not to say you shouldn't do that. But mm. again, it's the way you do it. Always variety. appreciate them. Yeah. But just be cautious of them because... Especially if it's someone that you don't know what you said. Well, if you're just getting to know someone and it's the first three to six months, three months especially, people can wear a mask solid for 90 days at least. That's when the mask... Kind of starts to lift, you know, Mm. and you start to see, listen for key words in the first few weeks of meeting people of, you know, it might be, again, like I said, oh, I can be crazy or I can be, you know, I can be sharp with my words or I can be this, I can be that. doesn't mean they're bad people. It just means at some point you will see those traits come out. A massive red flag in which I wish I listened to this um, with my most recent ex-partner, who I took public way too soon, by the way, she said to me, I hate confrontation. Now, for me, I, don't, I, can, I can be like a bull in a china shop in confrontation mm-hmm. because I'm quite happy to fix things there and then. I realise not everyone's like that. And this is part of the reason why me and my partner on the show clashed because she was exactly the same. She hated confrontation confrontation she didn't even like conversation let alone confrontation and that's why this is where all my this is where all of my frustrations were because it's like I can't even talk to you because you're not even receptive to how I talk let alone have a relationship with you so it was a very difficult moment but anyway this person was pretty much like her 
when things got hard. You know, we had a bad week, whatever. And I said, come on, we need to talk. Like, we need to catch up. We need to talk. We need to solve this in person. Didn't want a bar of it. Did not want a bar of it. So something that started like this ended up like this, which then turned into ghosting, which then turned to me getting broken up with over a text message. Lesson learned. When someone says they don't like confrontation and you like solving things there and then, if you like them at first, I would wait months before you commit to this person. Months before you go all in. I just committed to her after a few weeks. I was going to get tats with her, the whole gamut. In fact, this tattoo that I have on me here was because I'd booked in tats for us both to get, which she was more than happy to get. By the time this appointment came around, We'd been broken up by then. So I still got a tattoo anyway. Intuition. Intuition, which, you know, again, I should have listened to my gut with Follow a few things. Follow your intuition. Yeah. It's so a there's a few. Song by Craig David, by the way. So. <laughs> I'm a big Craig David fan. But it's good advice. Oh, look out. Mm. But I, so, yeah. you know, I'm, that there is solid. I really resonate with that because I've heard many people I respect who have a plethora of experience mm. explain that to me in one way or another. And people ask me why I'm fucking single. And, mm. I'm, and, and I'm not saying this with any remorse or having a go, but I just feel sometimes like I'm in a cinema and I'm watching a shitstorm. And people look at me going, are you not going to join in? And I go, fuck no. Do you not see the shitstorm that mm. you're in? Mm. You're playing a stupid game. Yeah. Come, and, come, come and sit down with me for a second. Look, look, take... It's fucking glorious, So isn't can it? you give us context around that? Yeah. So ultimately, what I mean is, um, I think people, if they actually were true to themselves, and you're always going to get caught in a shitstorm, right? Yeah. Um, but I just see a manicness of people constantly just fucking each other all the time, getting into a bad relationship after bad, and they're like, why? Why? And I'm like, come and like, just spend some time being single for a bit yeah. and kind of figure out, one, work on yourself, self-love. You've mentioned it many times throughout this podcast, right? Figure out what you want, get mm. really clear on it, and maybe just chill for a little bit. before, Because you're all, people just, but it's very unauthentic. They, mm. they don't like each It's almost like convenience. And Chip. I'm like, wouldn't you rather just like, just not be with someone and actually then wait a little bit longer? It's like, again, it's a sacrifice in the short-term pleasures for long-term pleasures. Mm. And then, yeah, you could still end up in a bad relationship, but at least you're going to be a bit more pragmatic about it. Don't rush. Don't feel the need to fill a void that doesn't need to be filled. You know? It's, it's yeah. Look, I, I get that because as soon as I met my ex, I was excited. I got excited. I got love bombed like you got no idea. Love bombed. She was genuine, appeared genuine. Funnily enough, after we broke up, a lot of people, a lot of my close friends who know me said, we were happy for you, but we didn't know what you saw in her because you, you guys don't know that you saw it, but you, you were chalk and cheese. You know, you were a, a few notches above. And I said, well, you know what? She just presented a very authentic package at the time. Yeah, and some people wear really good masks. Oh, and you're still brilliant gonna, masks. And you're still going to get, like, that's the thing you, and I think to maybe be clear on it, I'm not saying that people shouldn't, be in relationships or have a go but I just mm. think most people are doing it in a from a place where they're not really ready or it's yeah. not they're just kind of like well something's better than nothing like I'm like no it's not yeah like just maybe like 
Yeah. Make sure you actually, there are, th I think, you know, opposites attract and that's great and uh, often they do. But when it comes to ethics and values, there has to be some core values that are similar. Oh, it's that like goes me going without out saying. with a drug dealer. Yeah. People will be going, Alan on Alex, you're into health and fitness, now you're out with a drug addict. It, it just wouldn't make sense. It just wouldn't work. Yeah. And it's not because they're a drug dealer. It's because the way a drug dealer conducts themselves, thinks, speaks, acts, behaves, is very incongruent to way someone who... Well, it's lifestyle at the end of the day. It yeah. clashes with what you believe in. Mm. But then lifestyle. how you do one thing is how you do everything. And you sort of alluded to that before. Yeah. So there would be other things that would correlate. Mm. I mean, I say that, but there are people, like you said, who wear a good mask. But usually people who are, say, let's just draw some correlates. Mm. People who are into health and fitness are generally cleaner and tidier, generally. Not always, yeah, but generally. Yeah, that's true. Do you know what I mean? Like, there's yeah. certain, like, people who do certain things and are into certain things and speak certain way and dress certain way usually have other things that go with it. Mm. Do you know what I mean? So yep. there's, like, there's, you know, clues, like you said, listen and observe and mm. you may find that, oh, okay, cool. So look at the first three months of a relationship as... This is your house. You, trial period. Your body is your house, right? Now, and I've had to learn this the incredibly hard way. Hard way because, you know, I'm in the public eye now. So anything I do or anyone I put on my platform, that's a risk for me. My platform is a money maker. So anyone I put on there can take advantage of that, whether that's for clout, followers, $1,000, whatever the case may be. Me going public with my relationship showed me pretty quick what she was after. Whether she ever listens to this podcast or what, she can deny it till she's blue in the face. She was after clout because of how things unfolded after the fact. Had me fooled pretty well that she was, she's, I'm going to marry the shit out of you. Oh, I'm, and I bought it all. I believed it all. Stupid me that's had so many relationship experiences um, and understanding of relationships. So I've been following this relationship coach for about seven, eight years. And there were so many things that I thought I knew that all of his stuff really hit home after this most recent relationship. The first three months, your testing period is your house. You, your door is unlocked for three months. What I mean by that is you can get robbed at any time. So you go to sleep at night and that person can rob you. Mm -hmm. So even sense. though you think you're safe, you're not. You can be fooled like that. So make sure that although they are bringing gifts to you and this beautiful version of who you think they are, at a moment's notice, they will sweep the fucking rug from underneath you. And you didn't see it coming. So when you meet someone, just know your door's unlocked for three months. And when that registers in you, every time they compliment you, buy you gifts, tell you everything you want to hear, go thank you, but keep one eye open every time. That's the best advice I can give anyone for a new relationship. Because when they fucking rob you, it's the worst feeling to try and... It hurts your, your, your confidence. It hurts. You feel ugly. I felt ugly after my most recent breakup. I'm not saying I'm a 10 out of 10 by any means. Right? But I'm confident. 
And confidence is sexy. And when that's taken from you because some piece of shit robs you, makes you believe that they loved you, they don't know what love is. Do you know what love is? Do you, know, do you want to know what, do you know what love is, Alex? It's probably the thing that we desire the most. I can say that about love. But please give me your explanation of it because there's so many things that I think correlate to love, like I said the other day. It's like the word in the middle of the page of life. Everything comes back to it. But I think if I had to choose a word to answer your question, mm. I'd say love is unconditional. And unconditional means that when you don't feel like loving that person because they've pissed you off, but you do things to try and salvage the relationship, that's love. When they go and wash your clothes after you've had a fight, that's love. When they want to sit there and make things better because they fucking called you every name under the sun out of anger, but you're willing to sit down and they're willing to apologize and you're willing to listen, that's love. Love is what happens after many, many fights. If you can still look in that person's eyes and go, fuck, I love you. I hate you today, but I love you at the same time. That's love. You being happy and lusty, that ain't love. That's attraction. Everyone's in love when they first meet someone. Have a fight. Honeymoon period. Honeymoon period. When you have your first fight and you get over that first fight, that's when you know, mm, my feelings just got deeper for this person. We got to our first fight. We didn't make it past the first fight. So all that bullshit she fed me, that was all bullshit. Either that or she was physically incapable of having the balls to get deep into a real relationship. My client who's been married for 30 years, yeah. who we talk about relationships about a lot, she also said... Love is also just like literally when you've seen the person at their worst. And she's very raw and real. She's like cleaning up diarrhea from that person, putting Vaseline on their asshole because they've <laughs> just had a surgery. <laughs> like all that shit. All the ugly shit. And she's she's really great and, and we re resonate a lot. Maybe, you know, I'm a bit of an old soul. Yeah. And we just talk about all that. It just naturally gravitates towards that, you know, and we, I just sort of get her views on things. I'm well, interested. it's interesting because if you can love people in their ugly. Well, she says to me, you know, Alex, she, she has this theory. She goes, everyone was ugly in the 80s, Alex. And I was like, what do you mean? She's like, everyone was ugly. She's like, right, and that's just the way it was. And she goes, but now, she goes. And, and you know, we talk about the girls that come in and she sees them. She goes, you know, and they're just, they're, it's not that like, they feel that they need to be like that. Mm. But back then it was just, this is who I am. Take it or leave it. Because ultimately, if you grow old with someone, they're going to look the, like they were in the 80s eventually. The, the, uh, the, the, <laughs> exactly. Well, the 70s even better. The, the attraction um, is not necessarily going to be physical anymore. No. It's going to be beyond that. It's the person who can you imagine them there at the end of your days. You know, are they the person you still want to be around with regardless? So we're back from a short unintended break. Um, <laughs> anyway. Showbiz. Showbiz. The show must go on. Showbiz, <laughs> <laughs> we've got showbiz. So anyway, uh, we were last talking for you. We went off on a tangent. We did. You weren't along for the ride. Oh, you guys really missed out, but it's okay. We're going to come back and we're going to go through it. We had just um, finished talking about what love is unconditionally. 
being unconditional love. And then we transitioned from there. Now, you want to take it for the top or do you want me to start firing off some questions to get you back on track? Yeah, I think so, definitely. Because I've... I want me to get the juices flowing again. Get the juices hey. flowing again, 100%. Because I was spilling the juices before. <laughs> My water. Spilled streak all over the floor. Well, I kicked it, but it didn't fall over. <laughs> Would have owned, owed Amanda a glass. Oh, anyway, um, so no. Uh, what I was going to ask is this, because I was pondering before mm. when you were talking, and something that I find interesting, and I think the people listening and watching would find interesting, mm. is um, in uh, relationships, because with your experience, and obviously you've studied it, and actually let's maybe just quickly digress into that. I asked mm. you um, who you had studied, and you said it was Corey. Coach Corey Wayne. Yeah. I, excuse me. I might put that in the links, but I just think that's really good as well because there's a lot He's of amazing. Yeah. information out there. And if people can follow along with that, it's great. We yeah. then were talking about, for example, how powerful this is, right? In terms of when you understand relationships and more specifically communication, yeah. how you cannot influence and I don't use the word manipulate because I always feel we can manipulate people. But, and that's again, the trait of someone who's leading people down the garden path, but you should always lead people in their best interests, right? Mm -hmm. But with the skill sets, if you understand communication, you can also lead your life and others in, in a better direction. So maybe you can speak to that a little bit in terms of what you have learned from Corey in correlation to going back and reviewing the relationships that you had, because then you mentioned that you were very aware of what was going on with your past relationships once you'd understood what Corey was saying and going maybe against that in the early days and then now yeah. going back with foresight and hindsight, I should say, where you were like, Brian, that's why it wasn't so, working. Yeah, good segue. So where we tend to go wrong a lot, where I went wrong a lot with relationships is that I used to try to search for the family bond I lacked growing up. And so when someone would give me an inch, I would take, try and take a mile because I would try to latch on and I'd get excited. And I'd, I didn't listen to that whole rule that I was talking about earlier, that when you meet someone, your house will be unlocked and vulnerable for the first three to six months and to always be very cautious, sleep with one eye open because at any point they can rob you. Um, so I guess it's, you know, when you're first getting to know people is don't get too, too excited. Like appreciate it, love it for what it is, but one foot, foot, one foot back, one foot forward, one toe in, one toe out. So don't get too needy, too much contact. There's an 80-20 rule. Mm, don't give too much too soon. No. So try and let them do most of the calling, texting and pursuing. And when they're doing all the work, you don't have to do much at all. I mean, you're reciprocating, obviously. If they text you, you respond. But when you are really just cool, you're busy on your mission and your purpose. And this is something that Corey Wayne teaches too, that... You know, women love men, for example, that are busy on their mission and purpose. But women also like, who like women, uh, or guys who like men, if they, they're attracted, the more submissive role will be attracted to the alpha that is busy on their mission and their purpose. And in relationships where shit goes sour is when that alpha 
becomes the beta male and they stop doing and chasing the things that they love to do. And that's where women become bitchy and controlling and all the rest of it because they fell in love with you, the you that was chasing your dream and chasing your passion and doing the things you love. And the minute you stop doing that because you think that's what she wants you to do is the moment that the relationship starts to crumble. So if you like DJing in your spare time, don't stop DJing in your spare time. If you like going out with the boys occasionally, don't stop doing that. You need your friends. Same thing with the girls. Because if and when your relationship goes belly up, who are you going to lean on? Clearly your friends. You can't always just rely on your mum and dad or your brother and sister. You know, you need to have your own circle of friends. You need your life outside of the relationship. So a lot of people get, you know, their world is their family. My world, you are my world. Like, imagine being that codependent on one individual. Mm. You can't put your eggs in one basket. That's something that I learned the hard way as well. With people, they become their partners and then their partners are not attracted to them anymore and they wonder why and it's funny because there's two dynamics going on there. And it seems counterintuitive. But mm. you have to be like I've always been into heavy metal. I like all sorts. Same. And back in Love the it. day, people would say like girls, would be like, oh, I hate heavy metal, and I'd be like, oh, I can't like heavy metal. Need to not like heavy metal to attract that woman. I mean, now that sounds ludicrous. Now, I was but very people do wrong. that. But people do that, and they yep. change their whole life. And then she's yep. not attracted to the man who she met, um, or or she, she what she thought she met, because now you've become you're interested in what she's interested in. She's like oh, become well, a bit of a yes man, and it's not fun anymore. No, it's not, and that's where you, yeah, you can have differences, and you know, that's the thing. Like people, you might be having a conversation with someone. And you think the right answer is to just agree with them. And it's like you start changing who you are and bending like a pretzel to please this woman. But you'll soon realise that that's not really what she wants. And if she doesn't like you in the long run, cool, you're not for each other. <laughs> you know, you, you sort of, you, you become unapologetically yourself and go, all right, cool. Well, we're just not for each other. And that's totally fine. I'll go on to the next person that is. Um, so... Another thing I learned too is that with my previous relationship with the partner I was with before the show is that I kind of took on the coach, it was like the coach client role. So while my partner was deeply insecure at the time, um, she had a pretty traumatic past and what have you, I won't go into it. But she was the sort of person that hung and clung off everyone's um, Clung, is that even a word? Cling. It is now. Clung. It's past tense. <laughs> she, she clung on, yeah. She's past tense. Clung on, hung on to people's compliments. Hung and clung. <laughs> cling and hung. Clung. Oh, we hung like a cling on. <laughs> that, for those little Britain connoisseurs. Oh, <laughs> if not, I'll probably sound like a crazy person. <laughs> Nothing new there. So, um, so she hung up, she was very hung up on people's compliments. Oh my God, I got Mm. this compliment today by the, you know, the office that Sue in the office said that my hair looked beautiful today or, oh, it was really sweet. And I go, that's great, babe. But I go, you are stunning. You realize that. And I go, but you seem almost surprised that you get compliments every single day. I said, I want you to get to a point in life for you where whether people compliment you or criticize you, neither of it is your business. Neither of it fucking matters, right? I want you to be 
fully confident in who you are. Of course, um, and even though she was 10 years older than me, I felt like I was the one trying to constantly lift her up, but then I didn't have her, she didn't have the strength to be that pillar of strength for me to, I felt like I was always the real strong one, but when I needed to just be held or to be super vulnerable, don't get me wrong, she was supportive and I won't knock her because she really was where, where it mattered. But it got to a point where I was just, I was doing her programs, I was talking her through nutrition and that's all our relationship became about. I was literally her coach. Very transactional. Very transactional and I got over it and I was like, I go, I'm not your coach. I said, in fact, I would rather you just go and see another coach so I can be your partner again. And this is where a lot of PTs probably don't like training their partners for this reason. And I really strongly advise that if your partner can find another coach, do that because it can tarnish your relationship, especially if your partner is deeply insecure. And And why you can't coach your family in some respects and there's always a rule against the law because there'll be someone out there now going yeah but and then yeah there is that's good but for the most part it just doesn't work no the dynamics don't allow for it and i won't even begin to get into it yeah it yep. just doesn't work they just don't sort of take you as seriously or they go the other extreme and then you sort of lose that whole which bond. is a dramatic irony though really yeah because it's the person that you should love the most so you think well if i give you information you will definitely take it but yep. with your family you tell them to fuck off you know and you and you yep. just sort of get away with it and it's the same thing, yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll do this. You go, no, I actually want you to do this where when there's another person there, yeah. there's almost this in, um, inter-respect that's there. There's this other given respect because you don't know them well enough. Yeah. So you sort of go, well, I could push back, but no, I'll probably follow this a little bit more. That's right. Because there's not, you've not been vulnerable with that person to the point where you can say things, the barriers aren't down mm. uh, to a degree. But anyway, continue. But yeah, it's that's the thing. It's like it, it can get a little complicated in relationships. So it's, you know, it has its drawbacks being a coach, and that's where people that are kind of at this level, whether they're coaches, counselors, NLP practitioners, you kind of need someone in the same sort of field to fulfil you. I think in a relationship, someone that is elevated to that degree, because if you're dating someone like I, my my two serious relationships were both with women that had been in their jobs for over 10 years, um, both careers, but very comfortable and would never leave or, or dare to kind of invest too heavily into, you know, they got into personal development because I was into it. But was that who they were? Not necessarily. So although it's a compliment that they took on a fitness journey and personal development because that's what I was into and they found me inspiring, ideally, I'd love to meet someone that's already there. You know, that's, that, is what, that is who they are. It's a part of what they do. And, you know, it takes sort of time. It's definitely taken me some time and some tribulations to recognise that I'm quite happy to stay single now until, yeah, I just meet that person that, you know, is fired up by, I don't know, juggling 10,000 things at once or wanting more for themselves and not happy to settle for less, which is what I've dealt with and what I've sort of settled for in the past. And um, 
but I'm super excited now to test myself for the next person that comes along and where I've preached on this podcast for the last hour or so about the vulnerability stage of that three to six months like it's so easy to get swept up in in all the beautiful moments and you know the honeymoon stage but I'm excited to feel myself now pull back and to really allow them the space and time to fuck up and to see if we can work through the initial stuff ups Um, and if we can get through that how we both communicate and navigate through that together I'm more looking forward to that than the next honeymoon phase. So yeah. that's where the connection and the character is built and perhaps something that is really worth working on is going to be born and that's exciting because it's character yeah. building, isn't it? It's like the most mm. rewarding things in life usually come after some of the most toughest experiences, you know, yeah. i.e. simple simple analogy say someone who does an event like a marathon or you know whether that's um kokoda challenge or whatever it might be yeah we've all done things whether that's you know we had to swim 200 meters or you know for a k when we were kids and stuff and you always afterwards you have this sense of accomplishment which comes from you know hormonal responses Mm. but it would be the same with something greater the greater the challenge the bigger the obstacle the bigger the kind of sense of you know sort of accomplishment afterwards and then there's always more there's always more as well mm. and people seem to want to live in a world with no obstacles and we want to strive for this place of perfection as humans which doesn't exist mm. and once again if we were actually there it would be very boring because if things were perfect there'd be nothing to fix and if there's no problems in the world there's nothing to do in the world mm. people who have businesses of problem solvers and I had a conversation with an Uber driver, and I told you about that, I think, the other day. Or I said it to someone. I don't think you told me, but okay, yeah, go on. Okay, we're going to go into it then, because yeah. I repeat myself a fair bit, because I, I, try to sh- <laughs> I try to share good stories with people, and I'm like, right, have I shared this one? Stop me if I have. Um, so I, I was on the way to the PAV, actually it was Sunday. The yeah. PAV, the PAV, mate. Good old and, PAV. Um, uh, we were just, I said, how's your diet? Yeah, good, 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 something like that. And then I got onto problems or something. And I said, oh, well, so we've all got problems, haven't we? We just want better ones. And he says, no, rich people don't have problems. And I went, they do. And he goes, <laughs> like. And I said, well, for example, they can be depressed. They can have bad relationships. I said, they could be thinking about where the next holiday is. I said, some of pro- their problems might not seem like problems to you. I said, but we all have problems. I said, rich mm. people have rich people problems. problems. You know, and, and it's true. And we just want better problems. But. And then I said, look, i use an example. You solve a problem for me tonight because I want to have a drink or two and I don't want to drive and you can get me there. And he goes, yeah, and you solve my money because you pay for this. I said, right, now you're thinking, right? So you're mm. on it. And he goes, okay, I see. I, he goes, I can understand that perspective. And it's not about right or wrong, but I was just sort of f- trying to, I guess, make him realize that, you know, it's like there aren't people that don't, have problems. Mm. We just want a better set of problems. But then again, the grass is always greener, so it's like accepting what we have and making the best of what we've got with it. It's Generally. like poker. It's like a game of poker. You know, it doesn't matter what de- hand you're dealt. Every ca- every hand is capable of winning the game. Mm. So you know, and we have these extraordinary stories of people over you know all of the years who have overcome the odds and achieved greatness uh, in whatever sense that is to you. Mm. So. Like you said something really good right at the start. You said, you know, we all shit the same colour and all that. It, I've been told, you know, I was always told in, in another 
sort of reverberation of that um, is, <laughs> you know. I'm a little bit. Uh, no, no, it's good. Like yeah. my, my, you know, my dad always said to me, like, you breathe, you know, that some, we all breathe, we eat, we shit. Like, no one's better than you. And he always said that to me. Mm. And I'm like, what? And he's like, every time, you know, I'd meet people, I was like, wow, these guys are amazing. My dad was always like, not bring them down, but he would always. Don't put them on a pedestal. Yeah, he was just yeah. like, no, he's like, they're not better than you. Like, they're just We human. all bleed the same and at the end of the well, day. Well, that's the thing. And yeah. that's the thing to, that is a really important thing we forget, though. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. no, and, and the thing is, the more you treat someone like that, if someone is genuine, they don't like that. They don't like that. People who are people in of high status or, you know, celebrities or whatever it is, and they're just people who are popular. And it's funny because we create popularity. So if no one liked Johnny Depp tomorrow and all his work were deleted, he wouldn't be famous. That's like, right. You know, this yeah. is the weird thing. Like we create demand as collective. Yeah. And that's a again, we're going down a rabbit hole here, but yeah. it's just I just want to get people really thinking again mm. about maybe some simple ideologies which kind of reframe their mindset, uh, where it's you know things don't have to be that complicated, and a lot of the things that we learn when we're younger are right, and we forget about it. Like you know that kid who just says it as it is. Yeah, sure, you're going to learn some social intelligence. You know, it's called cool. going to go, hey, that guy's fat, but you know. But you, sh you shouldn't lose this sense of who you are and speak in your mind. And mm. people just become soft um, and they lose the sense of self, I think, quite frankly. But I really appreciate you kind of doing a bit of a recap there. Before we sign off, any lasting thoughts from you? Because I just had a bit of a rant there. That's okay. No, I was almost going to start a whole new conversation on that because that was interesting. Lasting thoughts. Um, yeah. Well, you can add on to that if you want. So, look, I mean, if you do happen to meet someone of a, I don't know, higher caliber, more confidence, status, celebrity, if you treat them, if you treat them like a celebrity, you'll get treated like a fan, in the sense that you'll never really get that, that, you'll never develop that close bond with a person if you don't treat them like a human. So, the minute you pop pe anyone, anyone on a pedestal. You give them the permission to look down on you. So I guess you've got to treat the pretty ones like the ugly ones. So the minute you do that and you treat them all the same is the minute that you'll be respected in a totally different way. Like it's fascinating how many people say to me, oh, you're so down to earth. Like you're just so, what did you expect? Because I was on TV for two minutes. You wanted me to be up myself. <laughs> I mean, give me a break. Like, yeah, I went on TV, <laughs> but TV it was nearly two, two years ago. And, um, and I mean, big deal. I mean, what's done is done. It's over. I'm probably never going to be on TV again, you know. But people assume or expect you to be an arsehole because your face flashed on TV for all of two and a half minutes. And it's, it's just, and that just, again, it goes back to individual and what we learn in school and one thing we don't learn is self-awareness and self-respect and self-love we have to go through life and unfortunately research all of this ourselves. you have to go back to go forward in many ways yeah and you know they've been teaching this in through spirituality and stuff for many years and it's always been there but because we're not conditioned to to know this about ourselves that it's almost taboo or too hard to go down that road. But when you do, that's when life becomes easy. Life is easy, humans complicate it. 
So how to become an uncomplicated human? I'll, I'll second that. I say that is all the to time. go through a period of transition. Is to set, spend your time traveling introspectively, so that you can fucking dominate in life. You can dominate people. You can read people. You can close business deals. You can just be on top of everything. But it feels really easy. And you want to be the person that eventually everyone looks up to, you know, not always the one that you're putting everyone else up on a pedestal. But at the same time, it doesn't give you permission to be an arsehole or to take advantage of people either. Regardless of how high you travel through your own self-awareness, never forget where you came from. Couldn't agree more. Love it. I think that's a really appropriate way to wrap up what I think has been <laughs> a very, very interesting and insightful conversation. Amazing. And I'm sure there'll be uh, a round two. But yeah, I think yeah. a lot of those ending points were really salient and tangible. I know that they um, they really hit home with me because they're a lot aligned a lot with my beliefs as well. I think yeah. um, humility is really key. And that, that about, yeah, simply like kiss, keep it simple, stupid. Should have it tattooed Pretty on my much. forehead because literally it is simple, but we complicate everything. We do, we do. Everything as humans, and it yep. doesn't have to be that hard. But we just, I think we just get caught up in the, the fluff. But if we come back to the fundamentals, it's like just life is cake, but everyone confuses the icing and the flavoring and the, all yeah. the toppings, and they get caught up in the confetti, and it's like come back to the cake, come back to the base, come back to that shit, mm. and then go forth from there and layer it as such. For people who want more, they just can't wait. They want to connect with you. Where can they find you? Yeah, so I've got uh, Instagram, amanda.m.mikoloff. That's the main page there. I've got my fitness page tagged into the bio at Divine Physiques Coaching. Uh, I've also got my link tree in my main Instagram, which has all of my socials, websites and stuff through there. So feel free to reach out and give us some feedback on what you thought about today's discussion. Um, I think something maybe you and I could come back and talk about for another podcast is mm. detachment, which would be a, almost like a continuation of what we've spoken about today. So, yeah. That will be good for a round two. Yeah. I look forward to it. Done. And as ever, I'll put all those links in the show notes or the description below, depending whether you're watching or listening, whatever platform you're on. And as always, as Amanda said, comment comment down below if you're on YouTube with what you liked or maybe you've got a question or maybe what you want to see for the round two additionally. Uh, remember to like and share it with someone who you think would appreciate it. If you like this, share it with someone who you're probably going to have a chat about it with anyway. Just share it along because it really helps the channel grow. Of course, I've got to say it, guys. If you're on YouTube, like, comment, subscribe. Hit that bell icon for weekly videos. And if it's safe to do so, please leave a rating and a review on iTunes, Spotify, whatever it is. It's actually really easy. Just scroll all the way down if you're not driving and it's safe to do so. And then literally you'll see a star icon. And even if it's just short and sweet, really, really, really appreciate it because it helps us get this message out to more people because ultimately we're just passionate people talking about what we love, trying to leave a positive footprint. And of course, until next time, stay fearless. The lion comes and then, out. And then the lion comes <laughs> out. And then, and then the ending credits. <laughs> no one sees the magic. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>